0: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up?
2: To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. How You doing there? This is David. This is a special, almost supplementary podcast in reaction to what is happening today, which is Monday, the 9th of March. I don't know, whatever, right? Uh, you know, we're trying to make economics more comprehensible, more intelligent. You know the drill, how and ever, given what's going on around the world, not just with the coronavirus, but also with this new oil war between Russia and Saudi Arabia. We felt we needed to come react to this, and give you a hot take straight away. So I hope you enjoy it. And by the way, the podcast now is powered by ACAS.
3: How are you, Ed? I'm very good. Well, I I'm, I'm, <laughs> was watching, like you, watching the stock markets. By the way, it's something I never do, but I couldn't help it. I was watching the news most of the day, on and off. And Jesus Christ, there's panic setting in.
2: Well, there is panic now. It's funny, I have been, you know, years ago I worked in financial markets and big trading floors. I've seen what happens on days like today when everything goes to hell. And when the market, it's really interesting. Remember last week we were talking about the various stages. We had the Minsky cycle with the various stages. I've been at that stage when the market is very, very toppy or bubbly and then suddenly, boom, something happens out of the blue. And
3: some of those things you can't really
2: call. All that strength and muscularity gives way to fragility straight away. Yeah. And it is really interesting. And what it is basically is psychology. We'll talk about it in a minute. But it is that extraordinary power when greed turns to fear and when leveraged positions, which look as if they're the smartest thing in the world, end up looking like the dumbest thing in the world. And when all your assumptions about things you can depend on unravel. Now, last week, as you know, I was in the States. There was a sense last week that something, not just from the coronavirus, we'll come back to it in a minute, Mm. but something supposed when the Fed cut interest rates in response to the fall in the markets last Monday, financial markets, first of all, rallied, and then there was a sense of this ain't half enough, i.e. what you can't do is you cannot stop a disease with interest rates. That's the bottom line, right? I thought that was a given, but yeah. apparently not. No, no, as as as, as they say, well, these are highly sophisticated people in financial markets. You know? These are the best and brightest. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then, of course, over the weekend, you have this, two things are happening. One is the rapid realization that the coronavirus has spread quicker than anybody else thinks Yeah. to parts of the world which seem to be unprepared. And ironically, that's, Western Europe. In fact, what you're seeing now is Eastern countries, the Asian countries, have been able to respond to what's needed, which we'll talk about in a little while, Mm. better than Western countries, because it seems to me they are more used to collective action. I was gonna say, is that more of a kind
3: of a the psychology of the
2: psychology of the nation?
3: Yeah.
2: In actual fact, what South Korea, we go on to talk about the immediate effect now, but just an observation. South Korea is the most successful economy in the world when seen over the last 50 years. Nobody really talks about it. Mm. It went from destitute poverty at the Korean War to being not only a very wealthy country, but a massively high-tech, sophisticated country. And they did this by collective action. If you really want to read about South Korea, there's an amazing South Korean economist called ha Chang. And right. he has written amazing books. He, one mm. of the great books he wrote is 25 Things They Don't Tell You About Capitalism which is very good. But hes it's all about this collective action. Ah, I actually have that. Hadjong. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So Mark, today, yeah,
3: let's have a chat about what actually is happening today. What I saw was just a red board where everything is falling, the oil prices are down by what was it, 20%? Yep. Yeah. Uh, 18% all the rest, but everything is down. By the way, Apart from one stock. There was one green stock in all of that. And who what that was? was it? <laughs> Walmart.
2: <laughs> the panic panic buying of Jack's roll. <laughs> 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 who knew that Jack's roll could maintain the stock <laughs> <Absolutely>. price? <laughs> yeah, right. But okay, let's have a gander, right? So there's two things going on. One is the coronavirus shutdown. What you're seeing is we shut down St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yeah. Tonight, right. Basically. It's a big deal. All retail is going to be shut down. The chances of this leading to at least a quarter-on-quarter recession worldwide are almost a given now. That when you shut down the retail side of an economy, particularly our sophisticated services-based economies, basically it's toast. Okay. Mm. So what you're seeing is people realizing, okay, this is a health scare. Health scare comes before wealth. Health scare we've got to get under control. And what that means is unprecedented levels of the public and the state reacting to try and prevent the spread of a disease, which is now in our community. Yeah, right. It's now here. Yeah, you and I are not, you know, immunologists. That's the word, are we? I think so. Yeah, we kind of it's are. Totally sometimes enough. we're immune to lots of stuff, right? <laughs> but we're not really. But so we won't go on about that. But what we're seeing is the economics of it, right? Yeah. Second thing that happened over the weekend, happened on Sunday night, was this showdown between Saudi Arabia and Russia.
3: Yeah, and I that's a bit of, I don't I don't really don't understand what so that's about. There's
2: two things going on. You know, we've I've always talked about Saudi Arabia and Russia. Saudi Arabia and Russia dislike each other intensely. Mm. And the reason they do is Saudi Arabia is America's lad in the Middle East. And Russia, of course, is the big supporter of Iran. Russia, of course, is the big supporter of Assad and Syria. There's been beef between these two for a long, long time. What happened was, as the world began to discount maybe a slowdown corona-related, this is in February, from China, oil prices fell because oil prices rise when the expectation is the world economy is going to be rising, the demand for oil is going to be rising. And that was oil prices were about $60, $65 a barrel, Saudi's happy with that, right? Yeah. Oil prices then fell to $45 a barrel. The Saudis said, hold on a second, we've got to protect our revenue. So the OPEC meeting over the weekend was meant to be rubber stamping that OPEC, led by Saudi Arabia, would say, let's cut production, let's stabilize the oil price, let's look after our revenues. We know we're going into a difficult period with corona-led downturns in the economy. Yeah but let's just stabilize everything. The Russians, who are, of course, a very significant producer, but not the swing producer. The swing producer is Saudi Arabia. The Russians said, no, we're not going to play ball. Now, this is interesting because Russia and Saudi Arabia have been in a tacit alliance on the oil price for Mm. quite some time. And the reasons the Russians said, the Russians said, bring it on. We're quite happy for oil prices to fall. Now, you think, why would an oil producer like Russia when so much of its revenue and its budget comes from oil production.
3: Yeah.
2: Why would it want lower oil prices? Yeah. Or a bias towards lower oil prices? The reason is Russia wants to destroy the American shale oil industry. Now shale is the new savior for America. It has meant that America has gone from being a secondary oil power to the biggest producer yeah, of oil. Yeah. Yeah. But shale is very expensive. And according to experts, shale needs an oil price of maybe between $60 and $80 a barrel to be successful. Right. Okay? Just to break even. Just to break even, right? The Americans, now there's two sides of this. So the Americans had banked on oil prices remaining high. The Russians, always playing the, geopolit- the geopolitical game, said, no, let's screw them. The Saudis then said, all right, you really want oil prices to fall? <laughs> here's what we're going to you're do. You're looking at me? You're looking, you're looking at me? But They did. They basically said, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Yeah. It's like being the chipper, right? So like, you're looking <laughs> at me, right? Okay. Marcellus. I said, no, no, I'm not looking at you, actually. I just want yeah. <laughs> to smoke Ray and Large myself and I'm on my way, right? So the Saudis basically said, do you want a scrap to the Russians? I'll give you a scrap, yeah. right? Increased production this morning, reduced and started selling oil at a 20% discount, drove the price down to 30 knowing... That Russia needs oil revenues. So what you have is the geopolitics of oil, the Middle East, Russia versus America, all coming in one sort of perfect storm this morning. Now, the implication of the fall in the oil price is twofold or threefold. but Let's say the first one is all those American shale companies were what were called not so much high-risk, but high-yield investments, right? Right. Which basically is their speculative investments, right? Okay. So over the last five or six years, lots and lots of American investors have taken punts on these prospectors. They're, you know, prospectors. they've paid off
3: till now, haven't they? They've
2: paid off till now because the assumption was that you could roll over your debts. Yeah. Because the oil price would be at a level at which these companies could actually make a trading profit. Right. The Russians identified that, have actually gone in, and what you're seeing now in the States is total carnage in what's called the high-yield market, which is the market for companies that offer a higher interest rate for investors to suck in capital because by their very definition, they're more risky. So, you know, one of the great rules of the market is you don't get a higher return without higher risk. That's what people right. never understand. So when somebody comes to you and says, I'll give you 12% interest on this, yeah, the reason is... It's 12% more risky or 20 or 30% more risky. So that's the first thing. So what we're seeing then is the Russians played a card. The Saudis decided to call their bluff. The market collapses. What that does then is that increases what's called volatility in the market. People get nervous. They then suck out their capital from high-risk companies. Those high-risk companies are now in free fall. That's yeah. what you're seeing in the market.
3: And Could could, we, could these companies collapse, like oh, they will close their doors? They
2: will all go bust, right? And right. of course, the Donald make America great again. One of his major things is oil self-sufficiency. Yeah. And it's Dakota and it's Texas and it's all these states that vote for the Donald. You know, all these kind of Wild West pioneer right. states, right? So there's lots going on in the background. Jeez, so, so
3: just a little aside then, this could have a major... Impact on the election in November.
2: Well, the very interesting thing is that one of the best leading indicators for Donald Trump's ratings is the stock market. When the stock market goes up, his ratings go up. That's his central plank. Yeah, he basically says, you know, you know, he basically says, if you want to know how I'm doing, look at the market. Now, as the market tanks and it's tanking, because he has been very casual about. The coronavirus. Absolutely he has, because he's, yeah.
3: he's, a, he's a non-scientist. He's a non-scientist. Least, he's
2: a, one of these deniers. He's a denier of almost everything. Yeah. So people are saying, if, not maybe if, when America has its significant outbreak of corona, the implication will be that people will look at Trump and say, you were the guy saying everything's okay. You were the guy cutting back on pandemic expenditure. Yep. You're the guy cutting back on big government, which we now need. You're the guy who says we don't need Obamacare. You're the guy who basically is playing poker with people's lives, yeah, and that's part of this week's story as well.
3: Absolutely. And you know me, you know where I'm gonna go with this, but he's also the guy who <laughs> who appointed <laughs> <My Pets. laughs>
2: by the way, by the way, uh, <laughs> I love John to death, okay. <laughs> But he gets these peas in his bonnet, and his Mike Pence is one of the great ones. And yeah. I, it, look, for many reasons, it's very legitimate. But it looks as if Mike Pence is going to be the only Irish American at the uh, Saint Patrick's Day celebration. <laughs> look, let me. Go. I'm just going to say
3: this one thing, and I'm and I not saying it again. <laughs> and, uh, Pence is famously anti-science, and under Pence's do you know that back in 2015, when he was governor of Indiana, there's a, a city in Indiana called Austin. That got a spike in HIV cases, mainly because of needle sharing. And all the research from all over the world basically says the way to control spikes of this sort yeah. is to have free syringes. Free needles, yes, and, yeah.
2: and clean syringes. Yes. Yeah,
3: yeah. He refused to yeah. bring that in. And as a result, it went balubas. sure in in Indiana Is and do you know
2: the technical medical oh no, it, it's a very
3: scientific term very scientific. <laughs> and uh do you know what he said when when everybody was saying to him uh no you got to bring this in you got to bring this in he said uh no I'm not going to do that but I'm going to go away and pray on it and the praying can... will
2: help oh the praying that's will... what he said well it's funny speaking of the praying, my mother who was 84 yeah said to me regarding the coronavirus she's not going out she says. I'm never going to Mass again. <laughs> not, she said, I'm, not, I'm done with Mass. I thought she'd given that up years yeah, ago. Yeah, no, no, no. She said, I'm not, I love this. She said to me, I'm not going around with all those old people coughing and spluttering.
3: <laughs> Good on you, Alice. <laughs> anyway,
2: exactly. She's a weekly listener, so I'll get the call now in a few minutes. Anyway, so let's come back to the yep. economics, right? So the economics, when we come back, is the quarter on quarter recession prompted by the coronavirus, I'd say, is almost a given now. Okay, so economies' growth rates will collapse, right? That's the first thing. The second thing then is whether or not this lasts. People are thinking, is this 2008 all over again? Yeah. Now, the reason I don't believe it is, is 2008 started in basically the lungs and the heart of the global economy, which is the banking system. So if you imagine that's what makes Mm. the global economy tick, because the banking system pumps the blood around yeah. everywhere. Okay? Nice, I like that, yeah. So this time around, the banking system is not involved. So what you have here is you have a supply shock and a demand shock coming at the same time. The supply shock is that the world's supply chain is broken. Remember, we spoke about this before. Yeah. So people will not, companies will not be producing. And that's not just the supply chain, but it's lots and lots of companies that tell their workers, work from home, take a day off, mm. don't congregate, production stops. On the other hand, because people are not buying, they're not going out, they're not going to restaurants and bars, or whatever, you have a demand shock, right? So, they're the two big things you can have in the economy, right? right? Okay. So, they come at the one time. However, there is a time horizon on these. You know, at some stage, the coronavirus will pass. At some stage, a, vaccine, a vaccination will be found. Mm. At some stage, like we're seeing in China and South Korea, quarantining the population will work. yeah. And then gradually, you build up one is an implicit immunity to it, and the second one is a manufactured immunity through a vaccine. So you can see a timer as it could be a month, could be two, could be three.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: By the economy would we'll recover. Yeah. So then the question for lots of people is what is the fallout and what do governments do in the next couple of months? I think what governments need to do is keep interest rates as low as possible so that companies with weak balance sheets don't go completely bust in this period. Maybe give companies a VAT holiday in certain countries like here, Yeah, you know, and the state can borrow because interest rates are so low to actually get over this and give people a hand. I look around pubs and restaurants in Ireland. This is a huge industry employing tens of thousands of people lots and lots of pubs and restaurants will go bust if this goes on for a while and i think it behoves the state to say oh this is a national emergency we can probably forego our vash or we can probably forego this that Mm. and the other for a period and i really think that it's really necessary that we react in this way then you think what's the long term the long term is probably that this will be temporary in nature yeah You've got to see through the crisis and see where does it end up. 2008, because it was the banking system that was broken, it was followed by a balance sheet recession. It was followed by extraordinary pain in the housing market, mm. extraordinary, by extraordinary dislocation and people losing their houses and all that stuff, right? This is quite, quite different. And I think people should understand that this is quite, quite different. But, John, if we get back to this kind of oscillation between greed and fear, Right. One thing is interesting, when markets collapse like today, one take is to say this is a total disaster and it's going to continue. Yeah. But in fact, most of the time it doesn't continue, right? Like what actually happens is stocks, certain stocks become very cheap. And what I mean is good companies with strong balance sheets, which are very, very well managed, can become very cheap. So if you look at some of those big oil companies that are out there now, Today, they've all been hammered. Now, these are big companies that might not necessarily always be oil companies. They'll be energy companies. They might end up being at the vanguard of wind energy, of wave energy, of solar energy, because they have the infrastructure. I'm looking at their share prices today. They're collapsing. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe it's worth a punt. You know, that basically what happens, the great thing about markets, if you're you're looking at them all the time, is... The solution to lower prices is lower prices. Do you see what I mean? So when people freak out about lower prices, yeah. okay, the solution to that is the very lower prices because prices get so low that somebody comes in and buys and says, that's really cheap. Yeah. So it's like what happened in housing markets. It's like what happened in all these markets that shocks don't end up with the disappearance of the asset. They just mean the asset is sold from one crowd to another crowd. Yeah, And usually what happens in these sort of weeks and days is the people who bought the assets really expensively end up bust and they sell assets to people who buy them really cheaply and they end up making money. And that's how the world goes around.
3: So... Should we go out and buy oil? I What's your disclaimer the, the, on this the, one?
2: The uh, the John Davis David McWilliams fund. We should set it up, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. I've got uh,
3: about fifteen quid on it.
2: I've about uh, twenty eight euros in my arse pocket. <laughs> we should go out and buy options. No, but it's interesting. You know, you got to look at these things, and they these times are are really fascinating because this is this is the moments when great investment decisions are taken. As I said last week, you know sometimes the worst investment decisions are taken in what is regarded as the best of times when everyone's going fine. Mm. But equally, John, sometimes the best investment decision is taken what looks like the worst of times. And you've always got to be aware of
1: that.
3: In the last few weeks, Macro, you've been all over the place in Germany and Canada and America. And it's interesting to look at the reactions of those different countries to this and how they, you know, how they're managing the message yeah. and the and, uh, public health. But it's interesting, actually, I was listening today to, I think he was the chief strategic investor dude, whatever his name They've,
2: is. They have great names, haven't they? They have great oh, yeah, titles, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. chief global <laughs> strategic <laughs> investor insight man. Yeah,
3: he was one yeah. of those kind of poindexter nerds. But what he did say, which I, I thought was interesting, he said, in the past hundred years, there has been eight global health crises, but not one
2: of them resulted in a global recession. Which I don't know. Is that? that look, I mean, that could be true. Those fellows are great at coming up with these sort of things. I've always, as a, always, always, a global health warning with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> they live in a world which is all about boosting share prices, keeping the froth going. Attracting business in, never, ever, 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 suggestion that there's a yeah. deep, deep dilemma. Well, that's their gig. I that's suppose. their game. You know, yeah. basically, they're they're, they're salesmen. Yeah, in in yeah, you yeah. know, in Hugo Boss suits. Yeah. With a, with a good bit of patter for CNBC. <laughs> yeah. As what, what do we call it? Yes, last week bullshit television. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, again, and it comes. Remember, I was talking about it, it, it's 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 all about keeping the froth economy going. You know, what I call the fur coat and no knickers economy.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Which is what yeah, I, I like. is <laughs> the American economy is fur coat and no knickers. Yeah. It's like the fur coat looks great, but you're wearing no knickers, yeah. right? So let's have a look at what's going on in the States or what I could see last week in the States, yeah. right? And I've no reason to believe it's changed as of today. Uh, I was in a restaurant last week uh, called the French Roast on okay. the Upper West Side. Right. Interesting part of New York City. Talking to a fellow called Mark Kurlansky, who I want to come to talk. He, he's a great fellow. He's written a book called Salt and I've written a book called Cod and the, the Basque history of the world. Really interesting American. Is he a cook? No, he's not a cook. He's an interesting journalist who writes about it. He takes an idea like cod and he looks at the history of the fish, right? Right. Fascinating stuff, right? Reason being the majority of Europeans got their protein from cod from about 1500 salted cod Bacalao the Portuguese call it right from about 1500 to about 1800 okay and they used to go to the in actual fact it's very interesting the Basque fishermen discovered the Grand Banks in Canada and they kept it a secret
3: ah okay from
2: everyone yeah and they used to bring the cod back from the Basque country they used to salt it and people say, where'd you get that stuff and they never opened their beak right and his his book about salt again it's amazing and this Anyway, he's an interesting guy. But I'm at the bar at this place, and there's 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 a wand beside me with her fella, and she's pure New York, mm. and she's telling the fella, but also everybody else in the restaurant <laughs> about how her business in China. And I didn't figure out what it was. It's you know we're going to close it down. They got closed the whole thing down, you know. And she was roaring they're going to close down New York, and of course the New Yorkers are kind of saying, yeah, whatever, okay, yeah, having their you know the business of America is business idea, right? Which is what I think uh, one of the American presidents said. During the Great Depression, I think it was Coolridge, the guy be- who came before FDR. Can't remember his name. Don't know. Don't anyway, know. doesn't matter. The question is, can America close itself down? And when you're in New York, or anywhere in the states, but particularly New York, you realise that how just how social the American economy is. The American economy is a social animal. What do you mean? Well, this is what I've always I've always been interested in looking at the economy from different lenses, right? Mm. not the sort of economics that's taught in universities or in schools. And I try to teach in Trinity, looking at the economy in a different way. So by this, I mean, the American economy is based on social interaction. You and I go out, we have a drink, we go to the movies, we go, America, you know, the theater, the ball game, et cetera. Hmm. It's based on people chatting and going out together, right? That's the retail sector, shopping, all these things, Right. Once you appreciate that, you appreciate the recessionary impact potentially of the coronavirus. Because if you want to shut down the coronavirus, you have to, in effect, put the economy to sleep. Yeah. Which is what the Chinese have done and the
3: South Koreans have. Yeah, it's, it's like what you, what you do with a, a patient of trauma. You Precisely. put them into an induced coma.
2: Yeah, and you allow them to recover, yeah. right? Yeah. So what the Chinese have done is they've put Wuhan to sleep. Quarantine. Right. And as Luke O'Neill told us last week, quarantine comes from 40 days. It's the medieval approach. It's the 40 40 days, right? So, unless the United States puts New York to sleep for 40 days. That's the city that doesn't sleep. Precisely. (laughs) You know, it's hard to see them getting on top of this. And we will have to put maybe Dublin to sleep for 40 days. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's amazing to Think what that feels like Well, do you know what it sounds
3: like? Go on Have a listen to this
2: Amazing, what's that? That's
3: the sound of Wuhan in lockdown. That is the sound of you know, Wuhan is all these high rise, yeah. People hang out their windows, screaming, and shouting, and chatting, you know, uh, also kind of trying to keep the morale up and all around, and then people just making noise because they're going nuts. I think the uh, psychological effect of this must be so
2: very serious it, so and very deep. What I just heard there. Chinese fellas and lassies roaring at each other, having a chat.
3: Yeah, and actually, if you you listen carefully, you can hear a couple of guys sneezing and coughing.
2: (laughs) But okay, so think about the sound of New York, right?
3: Yeah, something like this.
2: And now imagine that put to sleep yeah and imagine how this will affect the american psyche it is phenomenal now then we feed into are the americans prepared for that what we saw last week was the big reaction was let's cut interest rate to stop the disease the cutting interest rate means more fur coat and no knickers so it's all about basically max open the credit card Borrow more money, yeah. go out
3: and The fox stole, isn't
2: that? Just- yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm not sure that we in Ireland are ready for what we might have to do, number one. But when you're in the States, it seems, particularly with a president like Trump and the Federal Reserve playing his game. And the Federal Reserve game, again, if we come back to politics, every time the Fed boosts asset prices, it makes the rich richer because the rich own assets, and the poor poor, because they don't own assets. And that, of course, percolates down into the housing market, and the housing market is out of sight for everyone in the States, except the very, very rich, particularly in big cities. And, of course, it's the young suffer most, because they're the people renting, and most of their income, or a higher percentage of their income, is going down these higher rents. Right. And this is, of course, fueling Bernie's campaign, and fueling The sort of movement. So what you can see is it all kind of comes around. But what is clear to me is that after 11 years of growth in the United States and recovery, where the economy has been boosted and has been put really on an addiction to cheap credit, that makes the economy look strong, Mm. but it's actually incredibly weak. That's your fur coat and no knickers idea, right? It actually makes it look great, but maybe underneath it's not that great, okay? And it makes it more and more fragile and more and more fragile to what we call in economics outside shocks. And if the coronavirus is anything in finance and economics, John, it is the mother and father of all outside shocks. But is there,
3: could there be any winners? And who's likely to be the winners well, and losers?
2: that's interesting. Uh, usually what happens in a crisis, I've always found, the way I look at these financial crises, you don't run out of ideas. You don't run out of money. You run out of time. Right, okay? okay, yeah. That's what I always look at. You know, I always look at whether it's a financial crisis or this sort of crisis. You actually run out of time. Think about what's happened in Ireland in the last week. A week ago, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's over there. Maybe it's a yeah. few people who've... Contracted it within a matter of days, your time horizons narrow dramatically. Mm. And then what's most important is for the authorities to actually stabilize things, to have a plan, to buy time. Yeah. So maybe like closing down St. Patrick's Day celebrations or whatever it happens to be, you're basically reassuring people that we've got a plan, what they call the non pharmacological plan. And if you look at what the WHO have said where they've really, really been impressed is China's ability to implement the plan, to lock down the place. So in terms of winners and losers, what will happen is this disease, this virus will come under control at some stage. And the economy will then recover at some stage. But in the very short term, lots and lots of people are likely to suffer because lots and lots of people work in retail, and work in bars and restaurants and all that sort of stuff. I think the long-term legacy of something like this might be a sort of a feeling that globalization isn't just right. That, you know, being exposed to the global supply chain, and I'm one of the people at fault, This traveling around the world, this feeling that the world is small. Maybe people say, hold on a second, you know, that doesn't add up, that doesn't add up. So I think that These, a pandemic like this, which is affecting everyone's conversation, it's affecting what all of us do all the time, might have the long-term legacy of questioning the idea that we can go wherever we want, we can eat whatever we want, we can hang out. And it's also the idea that humans, you know what? You're not in control. Nature, Mother Nature, is a weird and powerful creature and can manifest her powers and strength at any time, in any way. Now, don't forget, on the 15th of March, myself and John are live on the stage of the Olympia. Tickets at ticketmaster.ie. We will see you there, 15th of March.